What another From the Archives episode? Yes, it's true. The good news is that based on the original download numbers, I'm going to guess many of you haven't heard this one. Next week will absolutely be a new one, and the week after maybe as well. Enjoy. Memorial Day, May 25th, 1981. Downtown Chicago is relatively quiet, with many people off for the day, enjoying picnics or barbecues or trying to get their newfangled VCR to play that episode of Dallas or The Love Boat recorded the week before. Meanwhile, outside the Sears Tower, a 25-year-old dressed as comic book hero Spider-Man is using a system of suction cups and other climbing gear to scale the outside of the 110-story building, which at that time was the tallest building in the world. Today we're talking about, and to, Dan Goodwin, a.k.a. Spider Dan, who not only climbed the outside of the Sears Tower, but came back later that year to climb the John Hancock Center. I'm Tommy Henry, and this is the Chicago History Podcast. a moment ago that we're talking about and to Dan Goodwin. Here's the thing. When I first heard about this event back in the day, I was amazed. Being a big Spider-Man fan, the idea of someone dressing up and climbing this magnificent Chicago building blew my young mind. So when I decided to do this episode, I tracked Dan Goodwin down. Goodwin, who resides on the West Coast, graciously gave me a ton of his time for a Zoom call portions of which I will intersperse in this episode. To see the YouTube version of this episode, or to see the long-form version of our conversation, head to YouTube and search for Chicago History Podcast. Dan Goodwin was born in Maine in 1955, and as his small town had a volunteer fire department in which everyone pitched in, Dan developed a strong sense of community and the understanding that everyone needs to do their part. While he excelled at sports in high school, his family life was not always ideal, leading him to leave home during his senior year of high school on Thanksgiving Day. Essentially homeless, he did manage to find shelter, get a job, and earn enough to feed and clothe himself and even finish high school. A few years later, Goodwin moved to Las Vegas, he claims, primarily for the rock climbing at Red Rock Canyons. On November 21st, 1980, he had been outside the city rock climbing, and on his way back that night, he saw black smoke rising from the city, which he would come to find out was from a massive fire at the MGM Hotel. Goodwin felt compelled to try to help in any way he could. He had just turned 25 two weeks earlier. I had witnessed a real dramatic rescue operation in, in Yosemite Valley where they have these the El Capitano, which is over 3,000 feet high. There were some people trapped on it and they were caught in a storm and one had hypothermia. And so they were trying to figure out how to get them off. And they brought in this helicopter and they swung a climber on a rescue person onto the cliff. They put them in a basket and they swung them back out and they wheeled them, took off with the helicopter. Goodwin expected something like that to be going on for those at the MGM. Instead, 
all these military helicopters snatching off people that were trapped in the roof. They were getting people that were on the roof. And the firefighters were doing the best they could with the ladders they had. They were only going up seven floors. There were hundreds of people trapped in the middle, like literally hundreds of people Oof. in their nightgowns with towels over their face, panic all over their eyes. They were like desperate for any help, rescue of some sort. And I could see that none was coming. The situation became more grave by the moment. In fact, one woman was so desperate, she was climbing down a rope of knotted bed sheets. I'm like watching going, oh my God, um, I, I know how they could rescue those people. Because I was looking at the helicopters, and I'm seeing the firefighters, and I'm thinking, wow, why don't we just put the two together, and we could probably get a lot of those people to start ferrying them up. So I ducked underneath. This police officer grabs me and says, hey, buddy, what do you think you're doing? And I quickly told him what I just shared with you. And just as I told him that, we hear this blood-curdling scream. We both turn, and to our horror, we saw the woman that was climbing down the knotted bedsheets fall to her death. And she hit with this audible thud. All I'm thinking about is how to help because that's what we would do in Maine. And so I, the police officer looks at me and says, well, I hope you got some good ideas. And he brought me to um, this fire chief. And he said, hey, chief, I know someone here that can maybe rescue those people. He turns to me and says, oh, yeah, you got a taller ladder? And I'm like, going, he, I said, no, sir, I don't have a taller ladder. But I do know how we could get to a lot of those people then trapped based on what I witnessed in Yosemite Valley. And I quickly told him what I had seen. He says, well, my guys aren't trained to do that. And I says, well, I could do that. You know, I, I thought it like there was a lot of different ways. I mean, it was just balcony to balcony. I, I, I mean, I could literally climb up that with a cable and have it go into a helicopter and they could lower down baskets and just, I could help hook them, put people into the baskets and ferry them back up to the helicopter. That was my idea. But the fire chief didn't want to hear anything to do it. He just said, uh, well, I'm not going to risk my lives or the guys in the helicopter on some crazy scheme like this here. So he had the police officer haul me away. Dan Goodwin went home and woke the next morning to the horrible news. The following day, I read that 87 people had died. And many of them were on the floors that were the ones that were trapped between the seventh floor and the 30-something floor. There was, they were all trapped on that floor. And, and something happened inside of me where I just felt like, you know what, I, I felt guilty, like I should have done more. I went to a nearby fire station and I asked the fire chief, I knocked on the door and he was really in a bad mood. And he says, yeah, what do you want? And I opened up the door and he says, you better not be another reporter. I said, no, sir. I says, I just want to talk to you about um, the, the people that died. So what about them? And I sat down and, and I told him the story about how I think, I'm not saying that we could have rescued everybody, but I think we could have saved some more lives. You know, maybe not all those people have died. Maybe just half of them might have died. I, mean, I don't know, but we could have saved some. Any life saved, right? It's, it's worth it. And, yeah. uh, and, and, and he agreed. That, that was here, that's the irony of the whole thing. Is that he, he agreed with it. He says, you know, that's, that's a pretty good idea. And he goes, what unit are you with? And I said, you know, I'm, I'm not with any unit. He says, well, are you even a firefighter? And I said, no. And he says, well, have you ever even climbed a building? And I said, no, sir. And he says, then what the heck do you know about fighting fires or rescue people in high-rise buildings? And I says, obviously not as much as you, but I do know how to climb. And he says, and well, until you climb a building, don't you dare come into my office again and try telling me how to fight fires or rescue people in a high-rise building. And I looked at him and I didn't know what to say, but as I walked out the door, I knew exactly what I was going to do. I was going to go climb a building. 
After spotting some guys carrying window panes using large suction cups, Goodwin got some for himself, thinking he might be able to use them to climb buildings. He was discussing his building climbing thoughts with a friend in Las Vegas when that friend handed him a newspaper article. The article detailed a few failed tries by others to climb Chicago Sears Tower. One of the more notable attempts was made in August of 1980 by a 26-year-old from Connecticut named James McLaughlin, who made it to the 17th floor before being stopped by the authorities. It was later reported McLaughlin wanted to parachute from the building. The incoming Chicago Fire Commissioner, William Blair, had been hired by then-Mayor Jane Byrne after a 27-year career in the Los Angeles Fire Department, where he worked his way up to Deputy Chief. Blair seemed eager to make his presence known in the city. At the bottom of the article, it was a quote from William Blair that said, The Sears Tower was impossible to climb unless he was perhaps Spider-Man. Goodwin was a bit reluctant about climbing the Sears Tower at first, but with some encouragement from his friend, who happened to be a Las Vegas costume designer, and Goodwin's toddler son, Kia, who was holding a Spider-Man action figure, Goodwin made up his mind. He would climb the Sears Tower and do it dressed as Spider-Man. Goodwin hadn't spent much time in Chicago, didn't really know anyone, and hadn't even really figured out how he was going to go at the Sears Tower. I knew that I had to study the building a bit and figure out how I was going to get onto the building. I didn't even know what side I was going to get on. And it quickly became apparent that the Wacker Drive side was the one that was the vertical side that wasn't broken up. So I knew I had to get on that, but I saw that there was a roof over it. I also know that there was an alarm system because I'd been a couple of times and I could see the height, the security system. And I go, okay, if I slap a suction cup on the first floor, that's definitely going to set off the alarms. So I had, I somehow got to get up on the roof. With rain coming down, Goodwin set up a spot next to a dumpster across from the Sears Tower and watched the security guards come and go. He realized they took a break at 4 a.m. and figured that would be the perfect time to begin his ascent. One big problem, though, he needed a ladder to get up to the first roof. Through an unbelievable bit of good fortune, he met James Hackett, the brother of a fellow climber living in Lincoln Park, who agreed to help him and provide a ladder. At 3 a.m. on Memorial Day, May 25, 1981, Goodwin and Jim Hackett strapped a ladder to the bubble roof of Hackett's Volvo and headed to the Sears Tower. After nearly getting spotted by a passing police car before even getting the ladder in place, Goodwin started up the ladder. Once on that first roof, he had a moment before he began to climb to take it all in. And I look up towards the top of the building, and all I can see is this cloud of swirling mist with lights blinking through it. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is it. This is it. Oh, my God. I slap my suction cups onto the glass and I can't get it to stick. It just slides around the glass like it's covered with axle grease. And it turns out there's a silicon film on the glass. The, the robotic window wash machines leave a film on it because Chicago has, has high winds. And so it blasts dust particles and it can scratch the windows. 
And so my suction cups didn't like it at all. And so I, I normally I would I had trained and practiced with the suction cup high above my head, and now I had to lower it down lower so I could push more in like this here, which meant that I had to do twice as many moves with the suction cups. So I get the suction cup on, stand, I get up these atriums, which is this loop ladder that's hooked to the suction cup, climb up, and I hook myself into it, and I lean back, and I slap the other suction cup on, and just as I start pumping that one up, the suction cup I'm standing on pops off, and I fly off, and I land on my back right in the middle of the glass entryway. Shabam! Goodwin soon realized his fall had triggered an alarm. He could hear chatter from the radios from a security vehicle and could see activity inside the building. Now it was, I knew what I had to do. It was, it was a numbers game. I, I, I didn't have any time to waste. The moment I got the suction cup on, I had to quickly run up, hook on, slap the other one, pump that up, take, unclip that one, get back onto the other one, unhook that one, and just keep repeating it over and over and over. It was kind of like this mind game. And as long as I kept that momentum going, I was good. Goodwin didn't get very far before he was faced with some air conditioning slats that he needed to get around. Then I remembered that I had a climbing tool that I could use for the window washing track. So I stick it in the window washing track, and it rattles down. He was able to get the tool back, although that tool was not as strong as he thought, and the window washer groove was a bit flimsy. So I thought, okay, I'll put maybe one foot on that, slap a suction cup on, pump that up, put my weight onto that, slide that up, transfer my weight, put another suction cup. And I, so I played this game of kind of leapfrog, going back and forth between equipment. According to reports, Goodwin got to about the 26th floor when... Suddenly, just as the sun was starting to come up, the window shades blow open. And this light comes out. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, it was so unexpected. I didn't know what was going on. And it was a um, uh, police officer. And he had a sign that says, you must go back down. I, I turned around and like, oh, my God. I, I, one, I'm not going down. Patrolman Jack Rimkus was trying to coax Goodwin down, but Goodwin kept climbing. Really was freaking him out because they, normally they can see your face you know, and, and get your emotional expression. And, and that they got really good at reading people's expression and interpreting what their intent was. Like, is this guy going to kill himself? Is he going to, does he have a parachute in his back? Because I had a packet on, um, what, what, what is he, what's he up to? But they could see nothing. All they could see was a Spider-Man face. And it was kind of creepy for them. Even with it being a holiday, crowds had formed below to watch the climb. The Trib had a quote from Northwest side resident Norm Pennington who came down with his girlfriend, Marion Casper. I'll read this quote as I imagine it sounded. <clears throat> We're just nursing a hangover. We didn't have anything else to do. Acting. As they had in the past two situations with the previous climbers, police tried to block Goodwin's ascent with the window washing rig. And I already knew they were going to do that from reading the articles. So I, I fired right. I traversed away from them. And that totally freaked them out because they were not expecting that. Um, I imagine the look on their face from my point of view of seeing them on the inside staring out at this suction cup that slaps against the glass and there's <laughs> nothing to do. The guys, you know, hundreds of feet off the deck and the guys in the window wash machine are looking down and they can't reach me either. And I'm traversing away from them and they had no choice but to bring the wind washing machine back up. 
they turned around and lowered again. And I knew what they were doing. I, I knew that what they were trying to do is they were trying to box me to the right side of the building. Now, when you, for all you Chicagoans that go stand in front of the Sears Tower, imagine picking a line somewhere in the middle and you traverse over to one track and, and, uh, and then you, you're forced to traverse all the way to the right corner. They got you boxed in. You're going to get caught. They're going to get you. So I knew my only way out was that I would have to traverse all the way back the other way, right underneath the window washing machine. But by the time that happened, I'm on the 63rd floor. By now, my suction cups aren't working quite as good as they should be working because a lot of film has built up on the cups. There's a little felt pad on the bottom that the air goes through. And that was getting a little bit clogged. I hadn't thought about that. Wish I had, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, about halfway across underneath them where I was really totally in the no man's zone. Um, one of my suction cups wouldn't stick. It just kept sliding around. And, and the one that I'm holding on to is sliding across the glass. Now, because I had practiced and rehearsed in Las Vegas in this alleyway, traversing back and forth on my suction cups, because I knew they were going to do this. There were times that my suction cups were not working even then and i realized that i could possibly get my way out of it with some sky hooks so what the sky hook is is these metal hooks and they would connect to my waist and i could hook it on and possibly get my unclip an atria and put my weight onto it and stand on it if i did it right but it's kind of hard to do that when you're dangling from a suction cup that's slipping on the 63rd floor and it was really windy. Yeah, the yeah, winds yeah. were blowing over 50 miles an hour. And that was a whole other factor. At the last moment, I put a skyhook on. I put my weight onto it, and it pings off. And my suction cup slides across the glass, and I grab the skyhook again, and I put it on again. And just as I put it on, the suction cup pops off. And if you look at the videos, you'll actually see that happening. You'll see that my suction cup slide off. You don't see the skyhook because it's just the angle. But what caught me as my suction cup pops off is the skyhook. One single skyhook. Executives from Sears were livid at Goodwin's stunt, not only because of any potential damage to the building, but also because of the potential bad press if Goodwin slipped and, you know, fell to his death. Goodwin eventually made it to the top of the Sears Tower in just over seven hours and was promptly arrested. Chicago Police Patrolman Jack Rimkus, one of the arresting officers, was quoted as saying, It was a snap for him, almost like walking upstairs. Rimkus went on to say, It's not something he did on a whim. He's really got his head together. He really does. He's a real nice kid, and this is just something he had to do. Goodwin claims he was interrogated for two days. His friend Jim Hackett, the Volvo-driving ladder-supplying accomplice, was also brought in for questioning, but both were eventually released on their own recognizance. Before Goodwin left, Fire Commissioner William Blair stopped by his cell with a warning to never try anything like that again in Chicago, or there would be repercussions. Goodwin said if he ever did come back to town, he would call Blair first. Sears filed a charge of disorderly conduct, hopeful the charge against Goodwin might deter others from trying the feat. According to an article in the Chicago Tribune later that year, Stan Lee, creator of the Spider-Man comic book character, 
received a call from the district attorney in Chicago during the Sears Tower situation, who asked Lee if he put Goodwin up to the stunt. Lee had not. Later that year, in the midst of Halloween revelers and partying that spilled over into Sunday, November 1st, Goodwin was back in town attempting to climb the John Hancock Center, though not as tall as the Sears Tower, but at 100 stories would be no small feat. It would not come to pass. His attempt to once again use suction cups to climb was thwarted by a change in texture on the steel girders about four floors up that kept the suction cups from working. He headed back down and was promptly arrested again. He was due back in court two weeks later on November 13th. In case it seems like Goodwin was all about Chicago, he actually left the city after his aborted Hancock climb and traveled to Texas, where he scaled the Renaissance Tower as a gift to a young Dallas boy stricken with cystic fibrosis. While he was in Texas, Goodwin dreamt of climbing a building in pouring rain, and in that dream, the young boy with cystic fibrosis handed him a new tool to use while climbing. Goodwin woke up and scribbled a picture of the tool on a notepad and sent it off to be made. He also picked up a wetsuit. On Wednesday, November 11th, two days before he was due in court, Dan Goodwin was back in Chicago. He knew someone who had Fire Commissioner William Blair's phone number, so Goodwin gave Blair a call to let him know he was in town. Goodwin began another Chicago climb, this time back at the John Hancock Center, which I'll point out was one block from the high-rise residence of then-Mayor Jane Byrne. The mood around this climb, it turned out, was not as cordial as the Sears Tower climb. When uh, I'm on the building, William Blair is like totally freaking out. He, He is like they have their axes in their hand and they're like smashing the glass. The guys with the fire hoses, their, their order is to knock me off. You heard Goodwin correctly. In order to keep Goodwin from making his way up the building, William Blair instructed his firefighters to break out the windows, spray water on Goodwin with high-pressure hoses, and use their pike poles to block his way. All while... He was hundreds of feet above the ground. Blair later claimed that he was, quote, afraid that if we let him go, then tomorrow some kid, your son, will try this, and he's going to fall to his death, and who's going to be blamed? The fire department. I was just fighting for my life because the water pressure was so intense that it took all my strength just to hang on. There were times that I actually thought I was going to get blasted off the building. Had I been climbing with my suction cups, I definitely would have gotten off because there's no way my suction cups with water would have stuck to the glass or stuck to the steel for that matter. The roughly 1,000 people watching from below were horrified at the actions of the firefighters. Delivery truck driver Stuart Bander was quoted as saying, They're spraying this guy down, trying to kill him. I don't get it. The guy must be 300 feet off the ground. At the 37th floor, firefighters removed two windows on opposite sides of the track Goodwin was using to climb and, according to the press, merely blocked his path. Goodwin has a different recollection. And all of a sudden, these two poles come flying out right in front of my face, and they, they got these points on them. They're like, they're like 
like like an arrow with a hook on it and instead of like just coming out they actually tried to stab me with them i mean i mean i've seen photos i actually have photos where i'm actually blocking them and they turn around and switch gears and they actually tried to dislodge my equipment so it wasn't like they were when they making claims that they were trying to arrest me they weren't trying to arrest me they were trying to knock me out the building crowds on the street were chanting let him go let him go police superintendent richard brejak and fire commissioner william blair tried negotiating with goodwin but could not agree on which course of action to take Blair, not surprisingly, wanted the climb stopped, but Brijak was willing to let Goodwin get to the top and arrest him then. When Mayor Jane Byrne arrived, seeing a public relations nightmare unfolding, Fireman Kill Spider-Man in Chicago would not have been a great headline. She spoke with Goodwin directly. She was so wonderful. She, she pointed her finger at me and she says, young man, I don't necessarily agree with your what you're doing, but I certainly don't agree with what they're doing to you either. If you want to go to the top, you can go to the top, but you got to do so at your own risk. After Mayor Byrne gave the go-ahead, the climb continued. Once at the top, Goodwin was indeed arrested again. This time he was charged with criminal trespass and performing an aerial act without a net and released on $1,000 bond. The press took to the actions of Blair and the fire department with a vengeance. A story in the Friday, November 13th, 1981, Tribune, written by Ann Keegan, titled Firemen Embarrassed by Spider-Dan Fiasco, included these two quotes. What the hell were they trying to do? Kill the man? I couldn't believe what my own fire department was doing. That was from an off-duty fireman watching the climb on TV. And this one from a fire department officer at the scene of the climb. Feel bad? I don't have a word in my vocabulary to say how bad my men feel tonight. They are embarrassed by what they had to do at the Hancock building to Spider Dan. Keegan went on to write that by spraying water down on Goodwin and blocking his path, officials showed more respect for property than for a man's life. She also pointed out that the pictures flashed around the world were the ones of the firemen with their pike poles crossed, looking like menacing black knights. It did come out that while they had him blocked, a fireman asked Goodwin how long he could stay up there. Goodwin's response, forever. I'm going to make it. In January of 1982, just two months after the John Hancock incident, Fire Commissioner William Blair was again lambasted in the press and in public opinion, this time for leaving town for California, initially reported as a vacation, as the mercury in Chicago plunged to a then-record-breaking 26 below zero Fahrenheit. Major fires broke out across the city, including the Washtenaw and Bloomingdale Fire, which destroyed 14 buildings. Mayor Jane Byrne herself showed up at one of the fires out of concern. Although it came out later that Blair was in California as part of a pre-approved training program that he led, the damage was done, Blair was gone by 1983. Goodwin continued to climb buildings throughout the 80s and the 90s. In March of 2000, at the age of 44, Goodwin was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. He documents his battles with cancer 
in his book and podcast series, Chemo Crazy. In September of 2010, a 54-year-old Goodwin climbed the 60-floor Millennium Tower in San Francisco using suction cups and his hands and feet. His goal was to inspire people throughout the world who had been diagnosed with cancer. In 2014, Spider-Man creator Stan Lee tapped Goodwin to appear on the show Stan Lee's Superhumans, on which Goodwin climbed the 32-floor Tora Telefonica in Santiago, Chile. Currently, Goodwin is the founder and president of extreme sports website TripleBlack.com and a motivational speaker. His book, Untethered, should be out next year to coincide with the 40th anniversary of his Sears Tower climb. Stan Lee, who passed away in November of 2018 at the age of 95, wrote the foreword for Goodwin's upcoming book. Stan Lee had this to say about Dan Goodwin. I would think that anybody who could climb the world's tallest buildings would have to be considered some sort of a legend. I would like to think that his climbing the building was definitely a tribute to the spirit, to the essence, to the heroism that is Spider-Man. Everlasting gratitude and continued good health to Dan Goodwin. Thanks, Dan. Listeners, thank you for your support. If you can, please share this podcast with friends and reach out to me if you have any questions or suggestions. As always, you can find me by email at chicagohistorypod at gmail.com. Thanks to John K. Schneider for creating the Chicago History Podcast logo and the art used on the social media pages. He can be found at Angel Eyes Art JKS on Instagram or via email at Angel Eyes Art JKS at gmail.com. Get out and explore when possible. Just know tall buildings and stay safe. <laughs>